Let us pray. Heavenly Fathers, thank you once again for this awesome opportunity to be a vessel used by you to bring forth your word. Cover me with your blood that I would decrease, that you would increase, that your spirit would lead us into all truth and understanding, that you would be glorified. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, it's my pleasure to be able to be used by God this evening to share a word that I hope can really challenge and encourage us. If you were here this morning, I talked about faith and obedience. And another one of my passions, I used to have a passion earlier on when I came to know Christ. Evangelism was one of my big passions. I love sharing the gospel, and I still do. Uh, but my, my really hearts are reconciliation and discipleship. I love seeing people first reconciled to Christ and thus reconciled to one another, but also love seeing believers become disciplined followers of Jesus. It's not just good enough that we call ourselves Christians and we go to church, but are we really studying God's word, seeing what Jesus did and doing those things? And so I want to share with you this evening a story that I think is going to help challenge us and encourage us in terms of how do we go from simply being uh, average and mediocre and run-the-mill Christians to really uh, taking that next level and, and walking the full freedom, not just being saved, but also walking the full freedom and liberty that we also have in Christ. So I'm going to share a very familiar story found in the book of John in chapter 11. And we're going to be looking at when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So I'm going to primarily be focusing on starting at verse 28. Actually, I'm going to probably start at verse 38 on is what I'm going to focus on. But I'm going to go all the way back to verse 1 in chapter 11 just to give us some context. I'm really primarily looking at when Jesus resurrects Lazarus who's dead, but I got first break down how he died and stuff like that. And I think that's very important. In chapter 11, it says, Now there was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that same Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in that place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So you have this family, two sisters coming to Jesus saying, our brother is sick. Jesus acknowledges this, said that the sickness isn't unto death, but for the glory of God. Yet, he, it says he waits two more days. That sounds odd to us. He waits two more days. Well, first he says, well, this sickness 
although we're going to eventually read that he does die, that death was not the purpose for this sickness. This was an opportunity for God to be glorified. If Jesus leaves right away, there's a good chance he gets there in time to heal Lazarus and prevent him from dying. But the thing is, they already knew Jesus as a healer. That's why the sisters went to him, saying, Jesus, if you come, we know you can heal our brother Lazarus, who is sick. And God can get glorified when he heals the sick, but at this point, he wanted to be glorified for resurrecting the dead. There's this misnomer that God heals the dead. He doesn't heal the dead. He resurrects the dead. We're praying for healing in our lives when we should be praying for resurrection. Because some of us don't simply have sickness. Some of us have dead things in our lives that need to be resurrected. So it says Jesus waited two more days. Skipping to verse 20, Jesus is finally coming into the city. Martha goes out and greet him and says, Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. When Jesus is coming, sometimes it's not in our best interest to wait until he gets there. Sometimes we got to go out and meet him. That shows an anticipation. That shows uh, some movement on our own part. We always want God to do everything, and he can do everything, but sometimes he asks us to do something. Are we willing to go out and meet God? And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In verse 32, the other sister, Mary, came to where Jesus was, and she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many of you have ever called and prayed out to God? for hurt, for help, for mercy, for grace, for anything. All of us, I think it's important that we acknowledge that sometimes he doesn't come when we want him to. He doesn't come on our time. If it was up for these sisters, Jesus would have been there days ahead. But God comes on his time, which is always on time. Because he wants to maximize the glory. When our brother talked, Brother Gary preached this morning about sovereignty. We say we want a sovereign God. Yet we put stipulations on him. God, come the way you want to come just now. 
Come how you want to do it as long as it's like this. And that robs God of the glory. It reminds me of part of my testimony being a basketball player in high school, star basketball player, recruited, got to college, and I injured my knee. I tore my ACL. Super depressed. Was out for a whole year. For the first time in my life, I was no longer Theo, the basketball player. And when I think about this story, it reminds me of how I felt at the time. I was like Mary and Martha saying, Lord, if you'd have came earlier, maybe my career wouldn't have died. Maybe if you'd have got a hold of me before, you wouldn't, the ACL wouldn't have happened. But the thing is this. Before the injury, basketball had become my God. And if you ask me, I was living the life. I wasn't living for God. I was living in sin, but I was living the life. Why would Jesus come to resurrect the one who thinks he's living the life? Sometimes you have to die in order to take notice that you were already dead. I was already dead, dead in sin. When Mary and Martha says, our brother has this sickness, guess what? We all have a sickness called sin. And the wages of sin is death. So when you're living in sin, we're living in death. But sometimes we have to die in order to recognize that we were already dead. Because when it comes to sin, Jesus doesn't simply want to heal us. He wants to resurrect us. Verse 38. Jesus finally arrives on the scene. It says, Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. So he came to this place where Lazarus had been buried. A place where dead things dwell. Sometime God has to meet us in a place where dead things dwell. And there was this stone that lays against it. So we're, it was Lazarus inside a dead place trapped by this stone. When Jesus found me, I was in this dead place trapped by this small circle, looks like a stone, we call it the rock, this basketball thing that had, had me trapped because I had exalted it over God. When Jesus meets each and every one of us in that dead place, there's always a stone. 
And that stone represents whatever it is that's keeping you from entering in. It's important that we all recognize what is that stone. What is that thing that blocks you from God? What is that thing that is keeping you buried in that dead place? Jesus said to the people, take away the stone. Jesus could have divinely, he's, he's doing miracles. He is about to resurrect a dead man. Could he have not spoke to the stone and the stone was rolled away? He could have done that. But he didn't speak to the stone. He spoke to the people who were the friends and family and loved ones of the dead man and said, you remove the stone. One of the reasons why it's important that we are connected as a body of Christ is because when God begins to do something in our lives, when God begins to resurrect us, we may still find ourselves trapped in a dead place, and it's that same brothers and sisters in Christ that God will use to remove the stone. Part of the reason I am here today is because Father Courtney was used by God to help remove the stone. But in order for God to tell you to remove the stone, you have to be at the place where dead people dwell. Not in the church. Not at your homes. We want dead people to come here. But sometimes you got to go to where they're at. That way when God says remove the stone, you don't got to go first find the stone. You're already there. In the schools. At the restaurant. At the church. Wherever it may be, do you find yourself strategically located in a place to where dead people are trapped? That way when God says move the stone, you are ready to move the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, and said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Here you have Jesus trying to resurrect trying to set free, and one of the chief lovers of the dead person is saying, but, but, but Jesus, I know you said remove the stone, but he's been in there for four days. In other words, I, if maybe if he was in there for a few hours, he, he was kind of dead, but not really dead, dead, but by now he's dead and starting to decay. I, I know you are a God who's healing I know you're a God who can do miracles, but this right here, this is something different. 
I trust you, but do, do you realize what you're, what you're attempting to do? How many of us have been dealing with something for so long that when God begins to try to do a miraculous work on that thing, we begin to doubt if God can do it because it's been so long. I've been in this broken relationship for so long, I'm not sure if you can heal it. Maybe if you'd have came a decade ago, you could have restored it. I've been dealing with this this, this back ailment for so long, maybe if you'd have came before the surgeries, you could have done something, Lord, but it's been too long. And that sets the stage for God's glory. If it was something that could be done easily, we could do it ourselves and there'd be no need for God. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? We want to see the glory of God, but we don't want the situations that require God's glory. Then they took away the stone. So the people were used by God to remove that which was blocking Lazarus from being set free. For any who, who say, I, I, love, I love Jesus, but I, I don't know about the church. Or, or I, I love God. Me and God, we are all right, but I don't know about fellowshipping with those believers. Well, when God begins to do a good work in our lives, it's those very same believers that God can use to help us grow in our walks. The enemy wants to keep us by ourselves. But it's when we're in that unified body, when stones come in our lives, there's a body there to help roll those stones away. It says, they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Heard him what? Jesus, Jesus hadn't, he hadn't said anything yet. We, we, we have a tendency to thank God after the fact. We don't want to look silly thanking God for something that hasn't happened yet because our faith is, is, is not like that. But it says we should speak those things That are not as though they were. So he begins to think, thank his father even before the miracle takes place. And he says, you have heard me and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people. The people, their faith need to be stirred up also. So this resurrection just doesn't benefit the dead person. When God resurrects us, when we walk in the full freedom that God has for us, it benefits all those who are amongst us. So when you think about staying in sin, I kind of enjoy staying in this dead place. 
I kind of enjoy staying in this broken relationship. I kind of enjoy staying in this place that I'm in. Just know that when you stay in that place, you're keeping someone else there also. But when we walk in the full manifestation of freedom in Christ, we also allow others to know that it's possible. He says, but because the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Going back to my testimony, one of my greatest joys in life has been seeing my family, my father, my mother, my sister, my uncle, my aunt, all come to know the Lord. And it's humbling that God would use me in that way. But when we allow God to resurrect our lives, those who are standing by will know that God sent Jesus to do just that. So when I say that I'm a believer, they start watching. When I say I'm a father of Jesus, they start watching. And if I walk in the full manifestation of freedom over time, they stop walking, watching, and they start walking. They start following in those same steps. So our salvation and our deliverance and our healing is not simply for us. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Glorious words. I'm hoping that everyone in this room has heard those words. I remember when he said, Theo, come forth. Hopefully you remember the day that God told you to come forth. But here's the thing. It says, Lazarus, come forth, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with cloth. When Jesus told me to come forth back in 1994, I came forth. He called me out of darkness and he made me alive. But when he made me alive, I came forth still with my hands bound. Still doing some stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Legs bound, still doing some stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Lazarus was made alive, but he came out of the grave. He was still in bondage. In 1994, I was made alive, but when I came out, there were still some things that had me wrapped up. Unfortunately, there's a lot of believers to go to church every Sunday. Jesus has done a miracle in your life and made you alive, yet there's still things that has you bound. And by the way, we're going to pray after the sermon because anyone that's bound tonight will be loosed in the name of Jesus. 
it says he came forth bound hand and foot and face wrapped with cloths. So I came forth bound, face still covered, meaning I could not fully see that all that God had for me. Still blind to a lot of things. And that's why discipleship is so important. Because just because you become a, a believer, yes, you're saved and salvation is great. But unless you are going to heaven tomorrow, there's still a walk that needs to take place. And it's hard, hard to walk and it's hard to reach and it's hard to see when we're bound. And it says, Jesus said to them, the people, loose him. And let him go. Once again, Jesus, by divine power, could have just said, Raps be gone. Yet he used the people who were there to set Lazarus free. How many of you have someone in your life that you can say that when you're in a time of need, when you're going through some struggles, when you know that you've been bound and you're in captivity, that you can call upon this person and God can use them to help set you free? Because if not, hopefully you can find someone like that in this church. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't do it because God is ultimately the one who sets us free. But in all things we see in the Bible, he is such a gracious God that he allows us to join him in a lot of these processes. So we need mature men and women in our lives who can walk alongside of us and can see maybe in our marriage, in other relationships, in our finances, in our prayer life, in our faith, they can see the areas in which we're still bound and they can help unravel some of those things. So in closing, it's important that we recognize that God may not come on our time, but he'll come. And one of the reasons why he may not come right away is because we think he's going to get the glory by preventing us from calamity, from death. And God can be glorified when he heals the sick. But he's really glorified when he resurrects those things that are dead. And it's important that we all recognize that even as mature believers that we all have some dead things in our lives. And we're all walking dead in need of a God who resurrects. And when he resurrects us, he not only wants to give us life, but he also wants to set us free. It says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And it was for freedom's sake that he came to set us free. So it's not just simply good enough that you're saved and you're sitting in these chairs every Sunday, but then Monday through Saturday, we're doing whatever we want to do. Trapped in the same relationships. Stagnant. Bound, hand and feet. Eyes covered, blind to what he's doing. And if we would allow him directly and also indirectly through the men and women of God he's placed in our lives, not only can we be saved, 
we can also be resurrected and we can be delivered and set free. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. May it be seed planted deeply. May it take root and that may you do that only that which you can do and that is bring forth the increase, Lord. I pray that there's any among us that are dead who have not yet professed you as Lord and Savior. I pray that tonight would be that night. If there's any among us who have been made alive in you, Lord, but there's still bondage, still chains, still things that bind them, Lord, they be set free. If there's any who are still in that cave who need to be delivered out, that tonight would be that night of deliverance. If there's any stones in our lives, Lord, that are blocking us from coming to you, Lord, blocking us from experiencing the full manifestation of freedom, Lord, I pray that those stones will be removed right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would continue to lift up those around us who can be used by you to walk with those who are newly set free to help deliver, Lord, to help restore, to help disciple, Lord. And I pray these things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And if there's anyone who any of this has spoken to your heart and you would say that there are some dead things in my life, there are some areas where not everyone has access. They've been kept in this cave, and there are some stones in my life that, is, that are blocking me from fully experiencing God's love, fully experiencing God's grace. Or you would say that, yet yeah, I know, I know I know God. I know I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but there's still some bondage. I'm still tied to some things. Maybe there's some things that I can't let go of, and there's some things that can't, won't let go of me. But tonight you want healing. Tonight you want deliverance. I'd like to ask you just to come to the front, and Nicole can join me, and Father Courtney, and any prayer warriors, and I'm not sure who you would normally have come up, but if there's someone who would who's already been released in the past to come and pray. We want to lay hands and pray that tonight we would not leave here the same way that we came. That it wouldn't just be churches normally. It wouldn't be, ooh, that's a good message, and then we go back to our lives. But tonight we would do the work of seeing people set free.